Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the 15th Perek of Shmuel Bet. Last Perek, David and Avshalom finally reunited, but only in the most pro forma sense. They didn't really achieve a meaningful reconciliation, and if anything, just the opposite. Avshalom walks out, and he understands that David has not forgiven him for what he did to Amnon, and he is not going to be heir to the throne. Unless, of course, he asserts himself in some significant way, and that's just what he does in this parak. We're told that Avshalom gathers a royal procession, and he would daily station himself on the road which people would take to go and consult David and to have him adjudicate their disputes. Avshalom would stop these people, he'd engage these people, and basically, for lack of a better word, he'd campaign. He'd, he'd ask them, you know, where are you from? What tribe are you from? And he'd ask them about their problems, and he'd connect to people. He'd tell them that he really understood their situation, unlike the king. And the people loved him for that. They would come, they'd bow down and kiss his hand, and he'd say, no, 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 and he'd give them a big hug and a kiss. He was, in essence, a great politician. And like all politicians, he made you feel like you were the only person on the road. And in that way, he gained a great deal of favor and admiration among the people. When the moment was ripe, Absalom went down to Hebron and declared himself the king. He did so with, the, with some popular support and with the support, we're told, specifically of Ahitophel, one of David's primary advisors. Hebron is a very deliberate decision. He went to Hebron to do this. It's the place where David first publicly was anointed. And it's, of course, in Yehuda. So Avshalom is playing to his base. And you might say, well, it's also David's base. David's from Yehuda as well. David was anointed in Hebron, but maybe in moving the seat of power to Yerushalayim, David grew less connected to the people of Hebron. Rabbi Amnon Bazak suggests, in fact, that the people of Hebron may have even resented David for, you know, maybe, these are my words, selling out a little bit. You know, David came up in Hebron. David rose to power in Hebron. And then he took all of that, uh, the, the glamour of being the seat of power, he took all of the the, the, the cachet of having the king in your midst, and he took that and he planted himself in Yushalayim. And so maybe Avshalom is playing on that resentment, and now he is offering implicitly to make Hebron great once more. In any event, Avshalom declares himself king with popular support. David hears the news, and immediately he readies himself to flee Yerushalayim, fearing that Avshalom will come and slaughter the whole city, man, woman, and child. Maybe the episode of Nov is spinning in, in the back of David's head, and that's what's informing this. And it's also just a great act of humility. David was likely very well fortified. He had a stronghold in Yerushalayim. He, he could have held up there. But instead, David says that, uh, you know, in order to save the city, and maybe in order to save, uh, to prevent an out-and-out conflict in Yerushalayim, David simply picks up and leaves. But he's not alone. He's accompanied by family, servants, as well as people who are crazy, placey, and giti, gitim, right? So these are non-Israelite groups. Maybe they're mercenaries. It's not totally clear what their place is in society. It's just clear that they're connected, that they're loyal to David. This group is exemplified by Itai, the giti, who David actually discourages from following him. He tells him, just go back to Yushalayim, declare your loyalty to Avshalom, and, and live out your, the rest of your life in peace. But Itai tells David, no, I'm, I will go where you go, and where you live, I live, and where you die, I will die. And you are, of course, you, the listener, are absolutely correct and astute in picking up the fact that we are hearing the echo of Rus, what Rus tells Naomi. David, of course, is a descendant of Rus, 
And I think we're meant to see that in this darkest moment, this darkest chapter of David's life, there are still these kind of redemptive uh, moments in, in the merit of the extraordinary uh, ancestor that David has in Rus, that, that her merit is somehow still protecting or accompanying David, as we find a very parallel story, this non-Israelite casting his lot with David, and uh, David being kind of on the margins of society, having very little to offer this person, but nonetheless seeing this great act of, of devotion and selflessness and chesed. So it's this kind of uh, uh, Rus and Naomi Ridu, and uh, it, it's, just a, it's, it's just a beautiful component to an otherwise fairly sad parak. I'd also note that David is accompanied by 600 men. And that number is significant. When have we seen David accompanied by 600 men before? Earlier in his life, when he was fleeing from Shaul in the wilderness, he had 600 men. Initially it was four, then it became 600 men for a, a period of time. And I think that we're also meant to see, to connect 600-600 to say, that David is now, I guess, unfortunately, re-entering a similar chapter in his life. At one point, he was fleeing from the king with 600 men in the wilderness, and now David, much later in life, is once again in that same precarious and unfortunate situation. In addition to all of that, we're told that David was initially accompanied by the chief Kohanim, by Tzadok and Eviatar and other Kohanim carrying the Aron, and uh, they, they accompanied him for a time, and then David said, okay, you should go back to Yerushalayim. And here again, I think this reflects so beautifully on David, because David could have said, could have agreed to have the Aron accompany him. And that would have been uh, a feather in his cap. It would have been uh, a tool in his tool belt. It would have been, it would have been good, to put it simply. It would have been uh, expedient or uh, a positive thing for David. But instead, David says, no, you should bring the Aaron back to Yushalayim. That's where it belongs. And it, it demonstrates to us that when David brought the Aaron to Yushalayim, it wasn't for political well-being. It was because he felt like it was the appropriate thing for the Aaron, for the Shechina, for the Kaddish Baruch Hu, for B'nai Israel, And he is sticking to that, even though it is not politically convenient for him to do so right now. So that's another very admirable decision that David makes in this parak. As I've noted, there are a number. The fact that he flees Yerushalayim, the, flat, the fact that he is trying to discourage Itai, the fact that he now turns the Aron back to Yerushalayim, all of these things reflect very positively on David, and we, of course, feel very bad for him. We're very sympathetic to David in this moment. In addition to all the ways that David seems to kind of accept his fate in, in all these previous decisions, David also does his due diligence, as we would expect him to do, and that is that he plants several spies, a kind of network of informants in Yerushalayim. So that includes Tzadok and Eviatar, these chief Kohanim. It also includes Hushai, who is one of David's allies and friends. All of these men, also with the children of Tzadok and Eviatar, so he has five in total. This, as I said, a kind of a network of eyes uh, and, and boots on the ground in Yerushalayim, which will uh, prove important going forward. Uh, lastly, just note that we're told that David left behind uh, a number of concubines in Yerushalayim. He does so to maintain some sort of presence there. But as we will soon learn, this will be yet another moment in which David kind of sets himself up to suffer. And this decision will prove to be a significant miscalculation. Please note, uh, as an aside, a bit of housekeeping, that I will be on a bit of a holiday with my family uh, so Tanakh Daily will resume. There'll be a podcast next put up on Thursday morning. 
That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.